When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Strong Woman. Strong Woman. Hey, I'm Poppy Ajuda and welcome to my Strong Woman podcast. This podcast is all about discussing the things most important to me. From music, feminism, sexuality and gender to race, class and politics. On this podcast, I will invite friends to talk about how these concepts intersect with their lives and hopefully offer you a little bit of laughter and a lot of food for thought. Hey, what's up? You're listening to this week's episode in conversation with the formidable and inspirational Chidera Egaru. Chidera is a best-selling author of two books. She's an international speaker and she is a voice to many people searching for answers. Some might call her controversial and you might not always agree with what she says. But in my experience, you will always leave listening to her with some real food for thought. And I really believe we need people who shake things up. Chidera, hey. Hi, Poppy. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. I was Thank really looking for forward here. to coming here. I feel like I technically kind of invited myself onto this podcast. Yeah. Because even though this was like years ago, I feel like how many years has it been when you first had this idea for this yeah. podcast? It's been a minute and you invited me initially. And then like so much was going on in both of our lives. It never ended up happening. And then the other day, we finally met up for the first time in like, I don't know. In like years, I think. I think two years. Two years or something. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it takes a while sometimes when you have a, an idea to really bring it to fruition. And even sometimes I feel like that's to do with confidence and feeling like you can add a new string to your bow. I feel like you're quite good at being someone who adds new strings to their bow all the time. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, thank you. I do have quite a few strings to my bow. I'm an author. For those who don't know, I've written two books. First one is called What a Time to Be Alone. Second one is called How to Get Over a Boy. I also make documentaries. My most recent one is called Bring Back the Bush. Where did all our pubic hair go? (laughs) And yes, you can catch my hairy fanny on Channel 4 (laughs) if you are interested in educating yourself about the politicisation of women's body hair. And I also am generally just a thinker and someone that creates content to encourage people to think beyond the limit in any medium I can possibly muster. She's multifaceted. Honey. (laughs) Honey. And so, yeah, as you mentioned earlier, that we met up for the first time in ages the other day, and I think we were talking about how when we first met, we were about 16, and we were kind of just starting out, and we both had these really big dreams. And I think part of the reason we connected was probably because there weren't that many other people around us at that age who were dreaming so big. You know? I agree. I remember back then, I, w- I wasn't even an author. I hadn't even started my fashion blog. I hadn't started doing anything. 
you still had long hair. I feel like <laughs> Puppy with long hair is a different era. It's a different you had person. A set term. You was, <laughs> oh God. Do you remember? It yeah. was so cute. I feel like we was just so young mm. and we used to just hang out. And it's funny to me that even now I feel like in our careers and we get to say careers with a big C because it is careers mm. that we both have. We're in a very similar position. Achievements wise, I feel like we're in a very similar position where our work is reaching the ears of people who you can't pay them to like us. Like mm. they've chosen to ride with us. I remember when Barack Obama <laughs> Barack Obama had your song on his playlist. And now you know that's not no PR. Someone wasn't, or yeah. labels buying up space in his mind telling him <laughs> what songs to like you don't want us to tell Barack Obama what to like or do what, what to I do. Mean? He's Barack Obama. So it's like He just tagged me in a post. I literally was tagged, tagged on Instagram. <laughs> that to me is mental like it can't be something that you can specifically dream of because mm. the nature of how it happened not that it's unlikely to say that you don't deserve it but it's unlikely in terms of people like ourselves who at that time are relatively small in what we're doing we don't have the global stardom that some of the other people on that list that you were mentioned mm. amongst have but it goes to show that our work is reaching beyond where PR can even mm, go exactly and that's something that I'll always remain proud of no matter how much I doubt my journey is knowing that I've been able to do things that PR cannot achieve. It makes you realise that it can have that reach. You know? Yeah, and that realisation is so key because as creative people who have started doing something in a very unconventional manner with no mm. conventional backing, with no conventional, like being born into a family where everyone for the past three generations has mm. been doing this, like we're probably the first few to start something as unique as this and to get that kind of support it's something that allows you to believe that there is a space for your voice mm. and you need to believe yourself first before anybody believes you. You need to ride with yourself, rock with yourself. Tell them. Be your own <laughs> PR, be your own manager, be all the things you need to because you saw that starring yourself before anybody else saw it. Mm. And it's hard to continue with that spirit as a creative person because we're in the era of lists. We're in the era of excessive media loads mm. of magazine covers you know 30 great creatives here 50 of the creatives you should be watching out for 20 of the up next and when you're excluded from those lists sometimes it can feel like is no one listening is no mm. one noticing am I not doing something right but then what's ironic is you can be excluded from the lists it's not because people don't like you it might just be that whoever was curating that list at the time didn't know about you yeah. and the next week it can be that a Barack Obama hey. has your music on his playlist <laughs> now I would choose being on Barack Obama's playlist over being on a list curated by someone who is already on a salary and is doing their job and isn't necessarily as invested in mm. the art as someone who is a whole ex-president vibing <laughs> you know to, like imagine him vibing to your music while he's eating pancakes <laughs> like I'm just seeing it I just see it you know what I mean that to me is spectacular and I want more moments like that me too and just going back to you starting out with that dream what was it like carving out that space for yourself you know being someone who hasn't come from generational wealth or whatever it is like what was it like beginning that journey in a way that you hadn't seen with the people around you it was quite lonely because I had to believe myself even when no one was listening or looking. Mm. And I had to take many personal risks, including choosing to separate from my family 
um, just because my happiness relied on it. And being able to weave those sentiments back into my work allows me to create from a place that's pure because it comes directly from experience. Mm. And also, I just think that when you are in the beginning stages of anything as a creative person, the doubt is inevitable. It's always going to be a voice that will tell you, "Mm, maybe I'm just not that good. Mm. And it's like, at the same time, there will be moments when you might listen back to something that you've made and you're like, is that me? Like, I'm actually kind of good. And then the next day you just feel doubt again. It's yeah. like, how did I have the feeling of thinking I was great and ready and worthy to suddenly thinking, but maybe I'm just biased and maybe it's not that great. And it's just like, you need to control that voice that is. Because also that voice isn't you. That voice is society. That voice is society telling us that we're never going to be enough. Anything you do, someone else will do it better. And even social media, everyone who could ever exist, you can compare yourself to in an instant. And Sometimes we think that voice is us, but actually it's not. We're of an abundance of possibility and ability and, you know, passion to try things. Human beings were created to experiment. It's true. And we were created to evolve Mm. and we were created to change. It would be strange to me if we were still the same people we were when we met at 16. Mm. Like, that would be worrying because you know it's like, mean? so all this time you spent on this earth, nothing has in any way shaped you because if you was a rock, you would look different. <laughs> like four years later, <laughs> you might have the rusty bits might have come off. Like there has to be some sort of interaction with the world around you. If nothing has changed, you haven't changed and that's worrying. Mm. Um, and for me, I always try to think about rebirth as an important concept in anything that I do when it feels like it's time to let go of a version of myself or let go of a piece of work whether that means releasing it and surrendering to however it's going to be received or just releasing a version of myself that is no longer relevant to where I am in life anymore mm. I have to take pride in that release and I have to see that in itself as a celebration of letting go of something and welcoming something new and it's a very I mean I'm very deep into astrology I Mm. think it's such a a brilliant tool to be able to understand the world around you with and so I think about snakes often and how snakes to me are very scorpionic like they're they're very of the Scorpio sign and snakes shed their own skin in their own time you can never go up to a snake and just like rip his skin off and be like yeah I'm shedding your skin for you that's not how it works you have to (laughs) let it take the time it needs to take If it's going to take two years for that skin to flake off, let it take two years. But once the skin is completely flaked off, it's a whole new person. And it's weird because even on the concept of rebirth, I feel that way with tattoos where every time I get a new tattoo, it feels like a small part of me has been reborn because I've now got this new permanent part of myself Mm. that I need to love. Because Mm. the tattoo is a decision. It's a permanent decision. It's a scar that you've chosen to place on your skin. And you have to be really, really sure you want that. Mm. And when you're someone that is a creative person who changes their mind a lot (laughs) and is impulsive, the same way when you make great work, you're like, but is it really great though? It's the same way when you get a tattoo, you might be like, oh my God. Like, I feel like I have the same thing. Yeah, it's so weird. I'm glad I'm not alone. No, I feel (laughs) like you're speaking to my soul. No, I think also for me, getting a tattoo is about taking ownership of my body. And I think a lot of women are taught that our bodies are for everyone else. And, you know, we have to be of service you know in throughout our lives and for me getting my first tattoo was very much about taking ownership of my own body and being like this is for me because 
I control my body. I don't have to ask anyone's permission for what I do with my body. What and was your first tattoo? This one. Oh, I can't show you. It's that. Well, it's actually, describe it for those listening. It's actually a, a woman embracing herself in like a kind of very abstract. Oh, is it the outline of her? Yeah, that's like the back and that's the elbow and the hand. Oh, when did you get this? When I was... Maybe my first year of uni. Oh. Yeah. Um, and I went with a whole load of boys to this <laughs> like amateur tattoo guy who like yeah. didn't do a great job. But, you know, it was the first one. It's okay. But it's the experience that was empowering and the ownership over mm. your body is something that I completely relate to because I've come from a very conservative family where mm. I, my mum used to raise me to believe. And I guess the sentiments were pure in that she was encouraging me to believe that I've got such gorgeous skin. Mm. Um, oh, smooth complexion. So sweet. So cute. Such supple <laughs> skin. Oh, but then I think I internalized this idea that if I ever have any scar on my skin, then I'm sort of tainted or damaged mm. goods. I think that's a kind of a general theory, though, for a lot of people that, you know, if you do that to your skin, it's permanent. I feel like a lot of parents put that on their do you kids. You know what else is permanent, though? Children are permanent. <laughs> like, people Very should true. have this kind of consideration towards having children. I feel you a lot. It's on like tattoos. Like... I feel you a lot <laughs> on this. This is this should be our slogan for like Period. pro-abortion. Tattoos are permanent, but so are children. <laughs> you can remove a tattoo. You can laser remove a tattoo. Can you laser remove a child? <laughs> no, no, you definitely can't. That would be weird <laughs> if you tried. <laughs> right. I, no, I'm here for that. I'm very here for that analogy. Getting tattoos for me has really helped me. Similar with you with coming into my own as a woman because I was definitely raised conservative, don't get tattoos. You, We always heard that phrase of, you don't put a sticker on a Bentley. Well, thankfully, <laughs> I'm not a Bentley, so I don't have to worry about that. I'm a whole person. I'm a whole person, <laughs> not an overpriced luxury car. That's Thank someone God. else's property. Do you know what <laughs> I mean? And I guess it's true you mentioned property and it does come down to the idea of women being property and women being here to be consumed by men. And it's this idea that... If you get tattoos, you're damaged property. Mm. Ergo, nobody wants to marry you. Nobody's going to want to have kids with you. Oh my God, life done. But it's like, not to make it about, about men again, but there are so many women with tattoos who go on to live full lives, get married, have children. Like, it's really not a big deal. It's not a thing. But also, whether you choose to get married or not, or choose to involve men in your life or not, you still go on to live a full life, tattoos or not. And for me, tattoos are an important part of my identity because they definitely allow me to choose who I am and mm. I get to just continuously build this version of myself and I think we are all here to curate ourselves we all are we've been given that task because it goes back to the earlier point of we've all come here to change so with that being said we're we're in control of what direction we change in and so for me tattoos are a huge part of my personal development as a woman totally I think also that thing about women and beauty and feeling like if you get tattoos, you ruin this pure, innocent, you know, untouched beauty. It's a, it's a very gendered thing. It's a very sexualized thing as well. The idea that a woman is perfect when she's untouched, I mm -hmm. think, is a, a theme that runs through society. And we learn so young that, you know, don't have a lot of sexual partners, don't do this, don't do that, all of this kind of stuff. And actually, it just aims at controlling women a lot of the time. And even to the point where you don't feel like you can draw on your own skin and it and it's allowed, which is is wild to me you know yeah when you put it that way that you're not allowed to draw on your own skin it's like you know what I mean who said that and why why can't I draw my own skin and now just for saying that I'm gonna get a face tattoo <laughs> like I'm this close I wish you could see me but like my fingers are like hovering this close to getting a face tattoo because I feel like also it challenges you to love yourself despite standing out 
despite not fitting into the archetype. Because mm. again, as much as we can resist these ideas of ownership over our bodies being external, it does creep in once in a while. And it puts you in a position where you can challenge yourself to love yourself and challenge yourself to be open to the love that's meant for you. And even if you have your eyelids tattooed, someone will choose you and love you. And that shouldn't be the mm. deciding factor on whether or not you choose to embrace yourself and decorate yourself. Because I see tattoos as decoration. Mm. And in a way, it's like permanent body jewellery. And for me, that is something that allows me to stay empowered. Yeah, and I, and I think part of you being your unapologetic self which is so incredible and it inspires so many other women to be that as well. And I think you are that for a lot of women. How difficult has it been to hold your own when you feel like you're kind of shouting out into the wilderness, you know? Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's so hard. And my tattoos are very visible and it kind of, in a way, reflects how loud my opinions and my voice is too. And I've had to very frequently, constantly deal with people trying to almost punish me for not embracing the same limitations as them or socially ostracize me for mm. thinking beyond the limits. And what is very ironic and amusing to me is how the thoughts that I was once scorned for are now thoughts that I see becoming trends and mm. seeing it become the new fundamental behavior of society where self-love and confidence and being vocal about what you deserve is no longer a taboo or like niche topic but now it's something that even brands are latching onto as their new marketing tactic and so I'm glad that I always stood my ground until mm. this day what makes it difficult is dealing with people who are, are just choosing to misunderstand me mm. and when you're someone whose opinions and thoughts are so like perceivably extreme it can create a polarizing effect where people can very clearly disagree with you and there'll be so many reasons in their favour why they can disagree. For example, I have a lot of thoughts about straight women who date men and straight women have a responsibility upon themselves to decide that they deserve the best and that decision has to show in their actions and in how they mm. manoeuvre their relationships with men and it has to come from a lot of looking at yourself, loving yourself and deciding that you're not going to tolerate mediocre, mm. even though the world teaches you that mediocre is poetic and you should love a guy who walks around with a banged up guitar that's not even tuned. <laughs> you know and that, rolls that, his beanie. That was the dream. <laughs> it, that, was the dream. It, was, it was the indie dream. I lived that, I lived that whack underwhelming dream. Find you a little white boy who has, Honestly. <laughs> who has a guitar and sings songs, mm -hmm. has a band. And wears a striped t-shirt and chinos and some vans and yeah you got yourself a winner and it's like no that isn't even the apex of my happiness let alone the beginning because women putting their happiness or futures in the hands of men is self-sabotage it's completely self-sabotage because men according to the society that they've been socialized in aren't even equipped to look after themselves mm. from wiping their bums properly to addressing their emotions to being accountable they're terribly failing and the system that they created called patriarchy to benefit them clearly doesn't work in their favour. Doesn't but because it work they, for them or Doesn't us. work for them, but because they experience the perks like misogyny and getting away with abusive cultures, they're happy to stay in that and sit in their vomit. And mm. I'm not going to be the one that's going to clean them out of their vomit. I have my own life to live. And so me having that 
view that is seen as quite apathetic and cold is what gets me in a lot of trouble with the most people who are taught to be codependent mm. and to see men as saviors and to welcome men into feminism, which to me doesn't work because if feminism is actually effective, first of all, if you're a woman or a femme-identifying person, then you have to be pro-you. Mm. So being pro-you means not taking any bullshit and it means having rigid, firm boundaries and not letting cis men jump on your head. But unfortunately, modern feminism is very much pandering to men and pandering to a society that makes women do all the work for them and all the heavy lifting. And because I'm not prepared to do that, I'm the public enemy. And so I'm ready to be seen as that for the rest of my life, as long as I know that in my personal life, I'm not tolerating any mess. Mm. I don't have sleepless nights because of boys. I'm up having sleepless nights because I'm trying to figure out how am I going to execute this next idea? Mm. What looks am I trying to pull next year? Like, what <laughs> shoes are we... Like, all the different things. Yeah. Just not thinking about men who have come into my life to dis- distract me from myself. It's never worth it. Mm. I think a lot of women, while that opinion may be contested, and I think a lot of ideas that are subversive and challenging mean that that people are vilified, you know, and then they're celebrated 10 years later or after they've died or they're made a martyr. And, you know, we talked about that the other day, that when you have views that feel radical or feel radical just means that they're pushing society forward and that society maybe isn't ready for them at that time. I think you'll always come up against people being like, no, but I like the way that it is. Yeah. You know, but why are you changing Even it? if it doesn't serve them. Yeah, but I think a lot of women, actually, they need to hear this. Like, they need to hear that there is a different way that they can live and enjoy their life and that they don't have to settle. And I think a lot of women have been taught that settling is the best option. You know, if you get to a certain age and you haven't married and you haven't had kids, mm-hmm. and you know, then then you're a failure. And actually, there are so many more opportunities, there's so many more possibilities for women, especially today, that I think a lot of women are drawn to what you say if they're open to perceiving the world in a different way yeah. because because of that because they've just realized that there's so much more that I could have for my life and actually be happy about it because otherwise I think sometimes we we sit in resentment you know we resent other people we re- resent ourselves we resent our families for holding us back or telling us to be a certain way and actually if we really valued ourselves and our own time and respected what makes us happy we probably wouldn't feel that resentment for everyone else around us because we feel like they're caging us, but really we're caging ourselves by, you know, buying into this ideology that is so traditional. It's, it's, we're, we're past it. It's, it's dead, you know? I completely agree, Poppy. And I think what's hard is when something is dead, when something dies, it's hard to let go of it mm. um, because we romanticise what's left of it. And what we romanticise in heteronormative culture that governs our entire society is the one that got away oh the last guy that literally cheated on you several times made you insecure Mm. stood on your head did all the things (laughs) spent your money put you in debt just because he had a little glint in his eye and because he plays the guitar terribly you are so obsessed with him and there's something so poetic and it's like we need to question where that behavior comes from and I think a lot of it does come from the media we've grown up on especially like 90s rom-coms to the late 2000s and a lot of the music that we listen to where the lyrics are written and performed by super powerful women but what you're hearing them say is things like my life can't go on without you and when you eventually if you're lucky enough to find out who the song was written about the guy is not that spectacular Mm. he doesn't in any way compare to her glory and it's just her projecting her own greatness onto him and it's something that most straight women do and that's why I have a lot of issues with heterosexuality because I think it's 
an agenda, just like how gender is an agenda. Mm. And why I say it's an agenda is because I... I feel like my sexuality has changed from being just strictly heterosexual, aka strictly wanting the worst for myself. <laughs> Punching way below, far below. <laughs> if anyone had described heterosexuality <laughs> like this to me when I was a young queer girl feeling so like ashamed of, you know, liking anything other than boys. Mm-hmm. You know? Like why do I why am I attracted to anything but boys? This is so And terrible. it's like we should actually be ash- the real shame should be liking what's not good for you you know what I mean is that because liking anything that isn't a boy sounds way healthier to me and in my case my journey of my sexuality has changed dramatically during my period of living alone in a lockdown where there is limited social connection Mm. there is no opportunity to date anymore because outside is closed so it means that I've developed a closeness of myself where I feel like I now identify as like somewhere between pansexual, asexual. And why the asexual is a part of it is because I don't really feel enough motivation to act on my attraction to other people. Mm. doesn't mean that I don't have attraction to them, but it just means that I have more attraction to myself. And so it puts me in a position mentally where... I don't see men as the be all end all of my happiness or the bearers of my joy in any capacity. Mm. If anything, I see them as possible extensions of my joy. So um, what do we do if, if we, we do want to have sex with everyone that we see? <laughs> <laughs> How do we be more like Shadira? I think the first step genuinely is developing a healthy sexual relationship with yourself. Mm. And not a, lot, not a lot of people are in that position, maybe because of their living conditions. Um, it could be that they have like paper thin walls, so they feel self-conscious mm. about doing anything. Who can hear my vibrator in the house? Do you know what? Sometimes like, I get that like, random intrusive thought of when I used to live, live with my family and I remember that like the wall between my room and my brother's room isn't that isn't that thick? Because I used to hear when my brother would like turn over or like oh my God. S- sneeze or something. So I'm like, if I can hear him sneezing, I must be hearing my brother. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> I feel like I'm in this weird place where I constantly want to fuck everyone, but I just don't. I don't feel. Um, I guess I'm so far away in my head, and so I'm such an I'm such a hermit kind of character where. I just like being around the person or the Mm. people rather than actually acting on the need for the physical sexual intimacy. Like I explore intimacy in other ways. Like I'm big on, again, this is astrology talk, but I have my Venus in Scorpio. Mm. So it makes me someone that I enjoy keeping secrets with the person that I like or the people that I like. Mm. I have a Sagittarius son, so I'm absolutely a whore. I am not (laughs) loyal to anyone. I'm just like basically community, like I'm out for everyone in Mm. terms of, there's a stereotype with Sagittarius where because we are so much big on looking out on the horizon and seeing the bigger picture, we don't want to tie ourselves down to just one person or mm. one perspective or one thing. So it means that I'm interested in everyone. Which is amazing. Which I find amazing. But then I kind of sometimes find myself in this place where it's like, what if I just remain like physically asexual forever? Am I going to have to literally freeze my eggs and like (laughs) (laughs) inseminate myself because I don't know what I'm going to do if I want to have children. I don't know what if I'm going to have sex with a person like anytime soon just because 
one, the circumstances that the world is in doesn't really permit mm. that very much. And two, I don't have enough physical drive to actually act on it. Like I just, I'm just such a weirdo in that way. And I embrace the weirdoness. Mm. I think also that we change, you know, we change all the time and what we want changes. And maybe you're in a time where you're really listening to yourself and you are saying to you, I just want to focus on you. <laughs> Do you know what Literally. I mean? Like that's, that's amazing. And I think maybe more young people should think like that because we have our whole lives to build relationships. We build relationships all the time, but sometimes I think we put such a focus on building one relationship with one person that we forget about all the other relationships that exist and that are meaningful to us. And actually when you take that time to know what you're interested in and what you love and who you like being around, then actually you might choose a partner at a later date that mm-hmm. perfectly fits you because you know what you like, you know what you don't like, you know what you like in a friend and a partner and, you know, whatever it is. You know what you like in yourself. So I reckon when the time's right. When the time is right. <laughs> yeah. Hey. <laughs> I feel so too. I think also... Because I've been it. The thing is, I feel like the way I've described it is probably going to be perceived as like, oh my gosh, she's absolutely like physically anti-sex. It's not that I'm absolutely a whore, but it's more <laughs> like I think it's because I've I've been I've come from a place of chain dating straight men, so I know what sex does for straight men, which mm. is why I'm like, why would I give something? Why would I? Because sex isn't something that you give, but it's the experience. Why would I give an experience so rare, like to just anyone? Like I feel mm. like it's something that has to be built up to over time, and that requires various experiences that will involve building trust and having a sense of humor together, just doing things together before it naturally reaches that place. Like I don't see myself as a participant in like hookup culture because. It wouldn't work for me. I'm, I feel very self-preserving over my body in that way. And I think a lot of straight women can definitely pivot between being heterosexual and embracing some themes of asexuality because the bits that will really work in anyone's favour are the parts where you're picky and the mm. parts where instead of like, I don't know, sending that risky text at 2am, are you up? Let me get Uber. <laughs> Just like touch yourself and then you won't even... By the time you're done, you won't want to get in the Uber anymore. Mm. You can save yourself a lot of terrible decisions by, I think, being close to yourself. But it's a long way to go for straight women because it was a long way to go for me. So I just know that it's going to take a lot before we get to a place where straight women actually have dominion over their own sexuality and their sexual lives and their sexual pleasure. It's a long road ahead, <laughs> a long way to go. I totally agree. I think, I also, I think a lot of people, I mean, I know that some some people do like, you know, one night stands and hookups and stuff, but I think a lot of people value intimacy where you know someone and you trust them. And I think for a lot of women, trust is really important in that space where you're, you are quite vulnerable. Yeah, or if you're dating men, men mm, need to earn your trust. Mm. They have to because... It's very, 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 very rare that you're going to come across a man who isn't going to in any way be influenced by his attraction to you. Like, for me, I'm never offended that a guy is attracted to me or wants to have sex with me. It's like, you're supposed to want to have sex with me because I am hot. That makes sense. (laughs) Period. So I'm not offended by that. It's how you go about it. Mm. That's what I'm concerned about. And with most straight men, they don't make enough effort that matches up with their roast like it's not adding up Mm. and for me if you're horny you need to show me how much you appreciate me and want to experience such thing with me and if you're not doing that we're not doing anything and 
that's something I think more straight women need to implement in their dating lives or else it's all going to shit. You know what I mean? Set those standards high. Hi! Make them climb. <laughs> <laughs> Make them climb. I feel like I'm clipping this mic with all these laughing. Mm. Um, so we touched on it a little bit before, but how do you personally, as someone who like you have all these really amazing views, very empowering views, and I think a lot of people or women would hear them and be like, I want to be like that. But how do you continue to believe in yourself when it feels like you're up against so much because your viewpoint is different to the way that the world sees things? Yeah, that's a great question. I think for me, what I've had to, the most important thing I've learned that has kept me going is you have to be experienced in walking away from what's not meant for you. You have to learn how to walk away. And Mm. why that's important is because when you do end up in a situation where it's clear that you need to walk away, your body is telling you you need to walk away, your gut is flaring up, you are feeling terrible, the situation clearly isn't in your favour anymore. If you've never walked away from something that's bad for you before, you're not going to know what to do. More times you're going to stay. And that's scary because when you've had enough practice in jumping off cliffs, aka walking away from something that most people wouldn't walk away from because of the safety you're walking away from the convenience you're walking away from and the comfort you're walking away from it just changes your concept of what's dangerous and what's risky like for me I have a very very warped bandwidth for risk and danger because I've walked away from my own parents and it's not something that I say with like I'm so proud I did this it's more like I had to do this for myself and it was the biggest sacrifice I've ever made Mm. but I didn't realize that in walking away from something that most people wouldn't walk away from it's meant that nothing compares to the fear of that. So if Mm. I am in a situation or a relationship that isn't working for me, from the beginning, I'll be like, I'm out of here. You're not seeing me again. And that will be it because that person definitely will not see me again. Or if I'm in a business relationship that isn't working, I will 100% leave because I've left things that feel permanent before. So more people need to practice walking away from what's not meant for them so that you, in your own mind and in your own body's memory, have a concept of what healing from that feels like because you know you're not going to die if you leave this situation because your brain goes into this like fight or flight place where you genuinely think that you're going to die if you leave this situation that's clearly not good for you Mm. and the person who's abusing you or taking advantage of you knows that you your thought process is working that way because it's a pattern of behavior and once people know how to recognize a pattern in you that's how they can take advantage but if you choose to break that pattern There are so many benefits that come with breaking patterns, more benefits than risk. And Mm. I just wish more people would believe that they're worth that risk, even if it means suffering temporarily or having to live a slower life or just being cut off from your normal social life for a while and having to rebuild. The rebuild will be worth it because I've had to rebuild several times. Mm. And from having so much experience in rebuilding, I am now no longer afraid of leaving what's not meant for me because I know that I can always design my future. Mm. And I think it's also about realising how to trust yourself. And when you trust yourself and you make a decision that might be difficult and it pans out well, you realise that actually trusting yourself works Mm -hmm. and, you know, trusting your gut. And I think it's partly that what you're saying about you know, once you know that you can do it, then doing it again won't be hard. Yeah, Yeah. and I think I've definitely had that with like a few big life decisions and I'm definitely someone who 
likes to please people, likes to put other people's comfortability in front of my own sometimes. And you know when you have a thought and you're like, I should do this or I'm not comfortable with this so why am I putting myself in this situation or this doesn't feel right but I'm going to upset that person. Is it a fear of rocking the boat? I think so. I it's such a Taurus thing. Oh, how dare you? You guys! <laughs> but also a, a, a fear of confrontation. And I think that also comes from me wanting to please other people, wanting to be make everybody else feel comfortable a lot of the time. And I think a lot of other people have that and sometimes making that choice that feels insane, mm-hmm. you realise, wow, that wasn't that hard and I can do that now. And, and I I'm, didn't die. I didn't die and now I can have what I want in my life. Yeah, you know? and now you've got proof that you was right because after you've left and you found your own new happiness, new success, new beginning, there is proof that you can start again. You can always begin again mm. and you just have to live that proof first or else it's just going to be a quote that you think only applies to other people and you happen to be the one anomaly on this planet where you can never ever begin again and once you leave that situation you're done out here never gonna (laughs) breathe like come on that's surrendering your power and I think for me as well surrendering your power is a difficult one because I have that same people pleaser tendency I'm a Libra rising and Libra as a sign if anyone who's a Libra is listening then you guys might be able to relate (laughs) to being the scales and wanting to keep everything balanced and sometimes compromising your own needs so that you can maintain the greater balance of everything and it's just not sustainable because my thing is so if I'm the only one putting all this energy into maintaining this neutral environment and depleting myself in the process my thing is how come everyone else isn't making that sacrifice and doing the same because Mm. that's not creating the balance that I'm trying to create because it's not balanced. Why is their comfortability more important than your own? You know, why are you putting... Why is it? Yeah. Why are you putting someone else in front of yourself? Because somewhere down the line, early on, you were taught that your comfort is not important. And that's a pattern of behaviour. Mm. I feel like everything that we do, especially the decisions that we make on our own and that are very personal to us, come from patterns that we've learned along the way. And it's our responsibility to investigate those patterns. When you catch yourself being a people pleaser... Just try for the sake of the greater balance that you're trying to force, be a bit of a boat shaker Mm. because that is the balance as well. Because you'll find that when you shake the boat, you are worth people trying to repair. You're worth people trying to ask, okay, what can we do to make this better? You have to try. You can't just assume that your comfort is less important. Maybe because, especially as creative people, we're we're often in those positions when we're in a room full of like gatekeepers Mm. or... Uh, we don't want to let fans down or you don't want to make it seem like you aren't as capable as you are. Mm. All these things. And it just falls into the culture of not knowing how to ask for help, not knowing how to advocate for yourself because we're taught that if you advocate for yourself, then you are being difficult to work with. Mm. But I would rather be remembered as difficult to work with than to be remembered as a doormat. Because nobody remembers any doormats. How many people have died and you see that on their tombs? Oh, she was such a good doormat. You know what I mean? Literally, she let everyone trod on her. Oh, queen. (laughs) (laughs) It's a very good point. You know, you'd rather be formidable and a hustler. Because people remember you, I'm telling you. It might not leave a good taste in their mouth in that moment. (laughs) But later on when you become a star, they're going to remember that moment where you advocated for their self and they're going to regret not honouring that moment and doing what you said Mm. because you've gone on without them and is it just and is that bad taste in their mouth just because you didn't want to do what they wanted to do I think the bad taste is an element of that and also a combination of you puncturing this version of their self Mm. they've created that is quite dominant and gets their way Mm. and as someone like yourself who's a Taurus I know that Taurus people can be quite 
there's a there's a huge empath quality and there's also a lot of not even wanting to leave the comfort zone too much. Did you say a, a huge empath quality? Yeah, like a huge yeah, I'm empath such quality. An empath. It's unbelievable. Me too. It's actually a problem. For me, it's a problem because like I have my again. This is just astrology talk. <laughs> For those who are listening who are into astrology, I have my South Node in Taurus. So it means so your South Node shows you what you are like in your comfort zone, who you are when no one's looking and you're in your house just eating crisp and watching YouTube. Mm. Like, <laughs> I'm that person who I'm constantly on the edge of tears, I feel like. Like, I can... Like, if I were to become an actress, yeah, <laughs> don't tell me to cry on cue. I can do it. All I need to do is, like, think about think something of, that's happening to someone I love and be like, oh, my God. I can cry on cue too, yeah. I can't help them and that makes me feel terrible. Like, honestly... <laughs> She's tearing up right now. <laughs> literally, my eyes are shining. Is that easy? Book her. <laughs> the next blockbuster I movie. <laughs> I think, yeah, to go back to the point of like knowing yourself, knowing that you're a Taurus, right? Aside from the sensitivity and the empathic quality and just being like a comfort zone junkie, there is also the element of you guys are a fixed sign. So you guys do know how to be stubborn and you do know how to like, if you need to direct obsessive energy somewhere, it can be directed into creating something. I feel like you're just beautiful. reading my life. Because it's like, astrology is real. I feel one. like it's, we're, we're just in some kind of, it was like I was interviewing you. <laughs> now but, you're getting interviewed, bitch. But now you're, now you're your reading me. Reading you. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> but it's so true. Like you need to, protecting yourself, you can't protect yourself if you don't know yourself. So mm. if you know that you're someone, this is I'm a big empath and this is why I'm not around people too much because next thing you know like I'm gonna start finding myself being like let me know if you need any help should I should I come to the house and help you clean are you okay this is me <laughs> I don't need to be doing that <laughs> I've got no business doing that because more time I need to be handling my own shit at home I, I'm leaving a messy house to go and help someone else with mm. theirs it's like handle your shit first mm. be the empath for yourself and if you need to be slow moving and be a hermit be a hermit bruv because your people know how to love you and your people know how to be patient with you like my friends know that when I've dipped for like a week or two weeks and I'm just gone silent, they know that I'm not ghosting them. I'm just in my head mm. or I'm just, I'm so like, because um, when you're an empath and you get over, like emotionally overstimulated, you just kind of, I go really mute. I can't really talk to people because I'm like, there's so much going on. I need to just like put all the stuff into boxes in my head so that I can just behave like a normal human being again. Mm. And that that is important for me to have that time because I don't want to snap at my friends. I don't ever want to allow my personal issues to come between my friendships because my friendships really, really matter to me. Mm. And so there is always a way to work with who you are and make it work for you. And the right people will want to work with you as well for who you are. Mm, and I think that's why it's so important to have people around you who understand you, who care about you, who respect your boundaries. You know, I think a lot of people have friends who don't do those things for them and they just accept that behaviour. And actually, that can be really detrimental to us and how we feel if our friends don't respect our boundaries, if we don't feel safe around them, if they don't give you space when you need space or understand when the time is to be there and not be mm -hmm. there. I think we have to practice that. And actually, if everybody put into practice the theories of Chidera. <laughs> <laughs> practice being there for yourself first, number one. I feel one. like it's like <laughs> therapy sessions with Chidera. Tight. <laughs> <laughs> therapy mixed with astrology. And maybe I'll, just, inv getting ready I'll just invite you here every week. Literally, what sign are we doing next? And Aries. I'll just, I'll, yeah, I'll <laughs> lie on a chair and you can just like say stuff to me. 
It's like you are letting people trod on you this week. <laughs> this week, your job is to trod on them back. Oh my god! Literally, I've, I've just had a, 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 a thought for your your next scheme. You just need like a a voice thing that does that. You know, imagine like a little Spotify. Siri app. Yeah, yeah. Like, kind of like sexy whispering and like you. You are a bad bitch today. <laughs> yes. If you let I that mean... boy talk to you anyhow. I'm going to cut off your service or some shit like that. <laughs> no, but it's real though. And I think we need to just be that for ourselves. because I try to be that for myself. I try to learn what my weak spots are so that I can, one, make them work for me, two, protect them because unfortunately, as much as our society is like, we should all be vulnerable with each other and we should all open up and tell each other what's going on. It's only certain people that you share certain parts of yourself mm. with because if you're out here opening your wounds to these random strangers and letting them have that kind of access to you, you're putting yourself in a position where, not that necessarily it can be used against you, but in a way, it just, it doesn't create the effect you think it's creating because I would rather be vulnerable and open with those who I know have the capacity for that and those who I trust that are open and vulnerable with themselves. Mm, I I'm think, not, yeah. I think also we, when we open ourselves up to everyone, we open ourselves up to everyone's opinions and that can be really overwhelming. I ain't got time for that. Do you know what I mean? I'm not doing that. I don't have time for it either. Who has time? I've oh. got to deal with my own opinion of myself and that's constantly fluctuating. Mm. And and on that point, what makes you a strong woman? What makes me a strong woman is that I have proven to myself time and time again that I was right. And mm. that's important because we spend so much energy trying to prove others wrong and trying to I'll show you I am better that I can do this on my own but it's actually important the only person you need to prove shit to is yourself mm. and once you know that you've proven that to yourself you you actually just move on a different frequency it's kind of like you don't even walk anymore you kind of levitate a little bit because you know yourself you know what you know what's up mm. between you and yourself so nobody can come between you and yourself when you've been able to climb mountains no one's ever seen you've been able to win battles no one's ever seen or heard of and that is the proof that's the only proof that you need mm. as much as the accolades and the achievements and the money enhance the proof th those things still aren't the proof it's still you proving stuff to yourself and that for me is an infinite strength because most people don't have the motivation to try most people don't think that their audience of one being their self is a worthy audience like mm. most people genuinely don't even see themselves as an investment or a valuable human being and mm. so that for me is where my strength comes from what about you poppy what makes you a strong woman oh a God. strong woman <laughs> a strong woman um <laughs> you really just you switched it around on me yeah i think it's finding value in myself and putting myself first when I have I think it's I think it's also that reflection it's the reflection on how I used to be and how I want to be and always striving to be a better version of myself always reflecting on the things that I think I can improve in terms of making myself feel good not because I'm doubting myself all the time or telling myself I'm not good enough but really noticing when I am giving in to an idea that society imposed on me. You when know? was the last time you felt tempted to give in to an idea that society has imposed on you? All the time. All the damn time. Same. The society is always telling you to just, no, be like this. Yeah. No, be like this. No, you be get, like this. You'll get likes if you be like this. You know and you'll get mean? followers and, you know, you'll get approval. But it's like, the thing is, when you go down that really scary rabbit hole of getting the likes and getting the followers and getting the approval, it's insatiable mm. because the hole has no end. 
at the moment, Instagram is Instagram is what that started in what twenty ten. The app is younger than all of us, mm. so that means that the app has just as much infinite potential as we do. We don't know where this stuff is all going. All we have right now are likes, engagement, views, all these things. But when when it was like 2,500 BC, people weren't <laughs> living off likes. What were they living off? I don't even know what they were living off in terms of validation. What would it have been? like? Who caught the boar? <laughs> yeah. And caught the most fish. Who caught the most fish? Or something like that. Yeah, but it, it also shows us that, you know, if that app were to just vanish, and there are moments when these things just are not available anymore. Where mm-hmm. would our value if your account be? get hacked, you can't get your password yeah. back. What and, and, and who are you? What, what does your existence mean? And our existence means so much more than who we present ourselves as online. You know, our existence is so much more than that. And I think it's important to reclaim that. It's important to reclaim who you are outside of who you're expected to be or who you present yourself as online. You know, how do I cultivate myself in a positive way that is meaningful to me when I'm not on show when I'm not performing and that's something that I have to exercise all the time because I think especially as someone in the creative industry someone who puts a version of themselves for other people yeah for other people to be around to see to take from what do I leave for myself well what do you leave for yourself because in my case I feel like what I leave for myself when I'm not giving my mind and my gut and everything away to people is just creative things like making music and Mm. just playing about with instruments in my house. But you're a musician, so the thing that you're giving to everyone is what I'm saving for myself. So what part of yourself do you actually get to save for yourself that's still fulfilling and doesn't have to involve you generating a sense of achievement from the outside world? Does that make sense? Yeah, it's funny that you say that because I I feel jealous of people all the time that... (laughs) That just play music for fun. Really? You know when someone says, oh, I was just like jamming and I was like... You just jamming? You just jamming and, and no one expected a song out of you. And What's then that, that song wasn't going to be judged by thousands of people. And you didn't listen to it like 80 times, <laughs> criticising your voice. Many more than 80 times. <laughs> but but it's also, I, I, I feel that all the time is that I wish that music could be this thing that is not monetized, is not judged, is not for me, but... I have other things. I love cooking. So you've got you've got a, a tasty little array yes. of dishes after this. I can't wait. Because I love cooking recipes and I love being creative in a way that isn't... You're such a Taurus. Hey, I, I am. love it. Like, I am. Of course Taurus love cooking. You don't love <laughs> the smells, the, the flavour, all the things. All of it. There's, there's going to be garnishes. <laughs> <laughs> I live. I'm ready. But uh, yeah, it's important. I mean, reading is that for me as well. Like reading things that enrich me and, and help me to see the world in a different way or mm-hmm. open my mind. And I think going places, you know, seeing the world, seeing new things, exploring trying to exist outside of you know how the world expects me to exist same man like just when the world thought I was adjusting to its flow I have to just I always find myself needing to do something non-conformist like I need to throw on a mullet wig or get a new (laughs) tattoo or just something that reminds myself and the world I am not here for your rules I'm here for mine Mm, and I think I've never really thought about it like that but I think I do it for the same reason I think cutting my hair off was one of those things when I first cut all my I had really really long hair like past my ribs I think it was quite long um was part of that was me reclaiming who I was for myself yeah and how was that for you it was a big thing it was a big thing I must have been maybe 18 and it was I think a lot of 
I judged my value on on how much catcalling I got on the street, and I hated being really? catcalled. Yeah, I hated it. So, did it. your catcalling change with your hair? Yeah, well, I mean, I think I it made me feel very unsafe. It made me feel very visible. It made me when feel you had like, long hair. Yeah, what, what, like I couldn't just exist. I couldn't walk anywhere on my own. I couldn't like it would happen to me like five to ten times a day from the age of fourteen. So. It was like, and it was always a certain type of older men. And I think that that's a whole nother conversation about men who prey on... They know that you're a child. Yeah, they know that you're a child and they prey on your vulnerability because they can see that they can have power over it. Mm -hmm. And that's something else in our culture that is not talked about enough. And I think I always found it very unsettling, but it, it also meant that I judged my value on it. If I if nobody looked at me or said something do to I me... Do I look cute? Yeah, um, do I look bad today? And <laughs> that's so terrible for a young yeah. girl, you know, that's so terrible for a teenager to see that their value comes in comes from someone who they don't care about, who doesn't value them, mm-hmm. who wouldn't be nice to them, who they wouldn't want to be alone with, they wouldn't feel safe with. And I think that was something that I was really grappling with when I was young because I was just like... I think especially as a mixed race woman as well, there was like something that was very, I was very over exoticized in my ambiguity of where yeah. I sat in the world. And so I just wanted to be able to feel beautiful on your terms. Yeah. And, and outside of like the idea of a stereotypical femininity. And that was hard. When I first cut off all my hair, I felt like I was really unattractive. I felt really? because I was masculine. I felt like I wanted to hide myself. I, a lot of men felt very intimidated by it. They would shout things at me. I think they didn't like that I was reclaiming myself in a way and I was a wow. young person doing it and I would get like men if I was out like comparing imagine me your to... your bald head got grown men threatened, you know? Do you know what I mean? Can you and, imagine? And it would happen a lot and, and it's so funny because I think that I think people can smell your weakness. They can smell your fear and I wasn't comfortable with my skin yet. I was still yearning for um, validation. They could see that and then they prayed on it because that's how they had power over mm-hmm. me. And when I grew into myself and I loved myself as I as I was and I love having short hair for that reason because I actually feel like it stops people from and it suits you. fucking with me. <laughs> yeah, like I actually think like people that's true when people see your hair it's like oh she she's not gonna be a pushover scared to, yeah Do you know what i mean she's not scared to change herself she's not scared like, to to not conform and yeah it was a big thing for me and actually i feel like it's another conversation for another time but the way that i am treated but i mean i still don't really like to walk on the street on my own i don't but it's different i think there is something to do with i don't get any of the kind of same attention that i got when i was a teenager from older men and um that's something in our culture that I really, really needs to be addressed. It's not addressed enough. And it's to do with masculinity. It's to do with sexism. Mm-hmm. It's to do with... Anti-blackness. The whole thing yeah. coming together. I feel the same. Sometimes I deliberately try to wear super baggy hoodies, super baggy trousers. Mm. I try to find my worst wig and put on some Crocs. Just so <laughs> that I can feel like I'm hiding from men. Because it's like... Mm. The irony is when you're trying to not be attractive, there's always going to be someone that's attracted to you, even if it's not a guy. Like, you're still yourself. You're still Mm. you. And there is, in a way, there is still freedom in breaking the chain of needing to be attractive to men. Because if we, as human beings, especially women, are taking what men think of us, knowing fully well that men will wank inside socks... (laughs) Right, just let that sink in. These people wank inside socks and they move to 14-year-olds and some of them around the world marry children. So if we are basing our self-esteem and sense of self on a set of ideas created by people who marry children 
and can't tell that you're a 14 year old then, they can tell right any that's man more that tries scary. to tell you oh, I couldn't tell if I can tell that's scarier that you if can't I can tell. tell that someone's three years younger than me by the way that they act <laughs> or the way that they look you think you can't tell you chose not to look you chose not <laughs> to tell then it's like no then it's terrible that I'm basing my, my entire self esteem on the ideas of people who don't clean their bums properly because they think it's gay <laughs> wank inside socks and think they can marry children like I don't want to be attractive to people who like their taste is whack anyway like mm. you got shit taste most straight men have shit taste because you're not the first person they've catcalled that day Mm-mm. and the fact that they're standing on that street catcalling women so you're jobless you're not in a position to be dating women you can't afford to date women you should be prioritising getting your life together I'm not standing on the street hurling words at women but mm. because you have no sense of drive ambition or quality of life you think that hopefully if you keep throwing shit at the wall, something will stick and you'll be able to take a woman home and give her mediocre dick and probably an STI <laughs> and probably a baby too and be on your way. Is that life? It's a, it's a mad existence. <laughs> is that life? It's not life. That's not life, bruv. So my thing is, I hope that we can abolish heterosexuality altogether by 2025 <laughs> and we can push the queer agenda. And everybody can just cut their hair, get tattoos, do whatever they want to do. Because if we all get tattoos, and if we all cut our hair, <laughs> and if we all break the, if we all break the mold, then so they're gonna have to hire us. You're gonna see bankers with face tattoos. Mm. You're gonna see surgeons with like mullets. You're gonna see all of that because we're all unique and mm. we've all chosen to live beyond the limit. So it comes down to a matter of personally choosing. What are you willing to sacrifice for your own personal revolution? Mm. And the revolution for everybody else, because, you know, as soon as you step out of your comfort zone and you show people another way of existing, you take up space, you be unapologetically yourself, you show the world that there are other ways to do things. And that is called progress. That is called change. That is important. You know, everybody's part in that is important. We all have an effect on our surroundings. We're all powerful in, in what we do. And we are all strong women, even if we're not women. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should make it a thing, strong women energy. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Strong women energy. Why is it got to be about dicks? Yeah, in it. Why is it big dick energy? Do you know what I mean? I have a dick. I can't identify that, but I am a woman, so I could be a strong woman. Strong woman energy. <laughs> should do a remix. <laughs> <laughs> so on that note... Um, my final question, as always, is who are the strong women who influenced you or impacted you and how did they have an effect? Ooh. Mm. I would say the strong women that have impacted me, even though the impact has been more negative than positive, I'll say my mom. What I've learned from her, even though I didn't have the best time growing up with her, um, what I've learned is her very fixed she's a very fixated person when she wants to get something done she's going to find a way to get it done and mm. if it means shaking the table she'll shake the table break the table if required if it means rocking the boat she'll upturn the whole boat let's all drown then if we're not getting this way done like the, <laughs> my mom is a very relentless person mm. and even though it had its negative manifestations sometimes the positive manifestations are what I take with me and I always have to remember that your life is what you make of it mm. What you choose to tolerate, yeah, whether you're choosing to tolerate it from a place of not wanting to rock the boat or choosing to tolerate it because that's genuinely what you want to do. No one cares about why you're doing it. It's about what you're doing. Mm. And only you're going to go to bed with the feeling of how your day went or how you feel about yourself. And so for me, it's incredibly important that I take full control over my life and I have to 
in a way, I'm constantly visualizing a situation where my child has a teacher that's being a bit mean to them. And I just walk into the classroom and I grab my child's hand and I just take my child out of the class and like, we're going to move to a different school. Don't talk to me or my child ever again. (laughs) And I have to be that for myself because no one else is going to do that for me. And Mm. especially when you're a creative person, you will find yourself in situations where you are the only person who can advocate for yourself. And it's going to be scary because there'll be glass tables, 50th floor, everyone's in suits. Most people in the room are white and cis men. And in that moment, you still have to choose yourself. And it's about getting used to taking leaps off cliffs. And I will keep on leaping if I have to. Because either you you land in water (laughs) or you're going to grow some wings. But either way, I'm not going to ever accept a life that has been like thrown at me. I have to create my own life on my own terms. Because I don't know when I'm going to die. And I want to be able to leave knowing that, yes, I was a bad bitch. Yeah, I did what I wanted to do. Yes, I got the tattoo. Yes, I got the wig. (laughs) Did all the things, lived a full life, and now I've died. And what's next? I'm coming back as a tree. <laughs> That's going to get recycled and made into tampons. Love that for me. <laughs> well, that is an incredible way to end. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me. And Thank you for having me, Poppy. It's been a great chat. It's been beautiful. I feel inspired. I hope everybody listening feels inspired. Yes. Wow. Strong Thank you for listening to this week's episode of my Strong Woman podcast. If you loved what you heard, please subscribe and tune in on Spotify, Apple Music or wherever you get your podcasts. Big love. This month, the spotlight is on our planet. Keep listening to hear a podcast that is making a difference. Hi, this is Alan from Tracks to Relax, a show designed to help you relax and get to sleep through guided meditation. We're celebrating Earth Day this year with a special sleep meditation and poem that's all about appreciating the planet we live on and giving it some much-needed love. Not only will this meditation help you relax deeply and fall asleep, it's our hope that it will also create a sense of gratitude within you as you listen and inspire you to do more personally to clean and preserve this beautiful planet for future generations to enjoy. To listen to our Earth Day episode, Simply search Tracks to Relax wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. 
Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.